glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. First Peter chapter 1. I want us to listen closely to these verses. They're verses that are precious to me because I think they cover uh, some, some broad territory. Then that gets into some specific territory. Uh, 1 Peter 1.13, I think as a Christian, you ought to commit these verses to memory. 1 Peter 1.13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. That means get in God's word and learn how to think. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, uh, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, our first point tonight will certainly extend into all of the points. I think if you get the first point down pat, uh, I believe you could take every point I'm going to give you and say it's about holiness. Holiness is not merely um, conforming to a set of standards or rules, you realize you can have good outward standards in your life and be ungodly. Well, the Pharisees did. They had standards of prayer and standards of fasting and standards of synagogue attendance and standards of uh, apparel. And Jesus said they were full of dead men's bones. Yet, I don't want you to miss this. He also said, uh, all that they bid you therefore do, but not as they do. Meaning, don't stop tithing, don't stop giving, don't stop praying, but don't be like them. Don't say one thing and do another. Don't be a hypocrite. Jesus never said, get rid of tithing, get rid of praying, get rid of fasting, because the Pharisees do it wrong. So why do you say that? Because here's what's happened. Many a person has preached and taught on the subject matter I'll be preaching on, both on the apparel issue, on diet issues, whether it's putting evil things in us. We dealt with that already, uh, whether we're dealing with uh, what we listen to or what we watch. And when we deal with issues of the body, the first charge is legalism. And then what they'll say is, well, I had a pastor that was really nasty in dealing with that. But did he preach the truth? Now, I understand our disposition as preachers need to be right, but I also understand sometimes it is right, but it's deemed as wrong because the content is not liked. We need to be careful that we love the truth. Just because someone mishandles the truth doesn't mean it's not truth. That's why Satan gets men to mishandle the truth, so you'll reject the truth. The number one excuse for why people don't listen to God's instruction on apparel is because they say some preacher was nasty about it. I'm telling you, look, I've been, I've been on this issue a long time. That's probably the number one reason people say, well, I don't want to hear preaching on that. I don't want to hear issue on that. It's legalism. Number one, that's a false charge. Number two, some preacher was nasty about it. Well, I hate that any preacher would be nasty. And I've heard some, by the way. That has nothing to do with whether or not this is true. Balaam himself spake the truth. It was still truth. He was as rotten as they come. But what he said was true. Right? And so then... What I want to say to you tonight is this. We need to have open hearts and minds and not use excuses to discount the will of God and the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Here's why. We need to get self off of the throne and get the Lord where he properly belongs so that he can be seen through our lives and we're not conformed to this world, but people can see by how our bodies are used who we belong to. All right, so three principles tonight regarding our apparel. Number one, our apparel, and this applies to every one of us, should be distinctively holy. Holy. That's why I started with 1 Peter chapter 1. Let, uh, it says in verse 15, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in what? All manner of conversation. Now, that doesn't mean just always be holy in when you're talking to each other. It does mean that. But conversation here means in your lifestyle. So every aspect of our life is supposed to be holy. Well, what does it mean to be holy? Uh, Holy means doing the right thing. It's the simplest issue I can give you. Doing the right thing for the right reason. I'm going to do what's pleasing to God because I know it pleases Him, because I know I belong to Him. I do it for Him. And so then, when it comes to this issue of our apparel, I believe this. I don't think anyone had to tell the gathering, now, if you're going to go sit at Jesus' feet, you need to put some clothes on, buddy. Do you think he showed up naked and Jesus said, no, don't you come around here like that. Go get you some clothes on. 
Or do you think he inherently knew that that was the way he lived before, that when the devil lived in him, he'd stripped his clothes off, but now that Christ lived in him, he put them on? There are some things that really don't need to be said. We should know it already. Amen? There are some things in this that's going on in our world today that it, no one ought to have to say it. No one ought to have to say if someone is going to minister in church, they should not be in such a way that you have to hide your eyes. Does anybody need to say that if you're really saved? No, but we have to these days. So again, need to be holy. I'm going to give you two points on the matter of holiness, what I mean here. All right, meaning we don't need to dress in a way that we know is displeasing to our God or defiling to ourselves or defiling to somebody else. We need to dress. How many of you know that apparel is used to make statements? How many of you ever heard of Boy George? You may have heard of Boy George. Lovely guy. I get one look at that guy. This is one of the most vile creatures i ever seen. Well, that's judgmental. Call me what you will. He's vile. And you know what? He says, I read a little bit about him yesterday. I couldn't bear to read much. It made me sick. I'm not kidding you. You start reading much about those guys, and they are perverse. He said when he first started doing that, old ladies would hit him with their purses. But not now. He dressed like a woman. He was on a, a talk show and they were giving him a hard time about wearing dresses. And he said, why? You ladies wear pants. He said it. And they went to task with him and tried to explain why there was a difference there. But today, we're told little boys should be allowed to express themselves. They want to wear a dress. It's all right. If someone does and they post a picture on social media and someone says that's not right, all of a sudden you get crucified for saying little boys ought not dress like little girls. But friend, this didn't start yesterday. We've been doing this a long time. Saying it's okay, it's all right, it's different, this is different. This is, no, hey, it's, I'm talking tonight, our apparel needs to be holy. I'm going to give you two, two categories that are unholy. Number one, being indecent is unholy. My dad and I were talking recently, so we're getting to a point where we may actually have to draw a line and say, you can't come to church undressed like that. Because it's not just immodest, it's indecent. Clothing today has become indecent. I remember, listen, I can't go into detail, there's no need. But listen, there are, sad thing is, there are ladies today, women today, dressing in a way that you would have never seen 15 years ago. Never. And the fact that someone had the audacity who says they're saved, to walk into a place that's supposed to be for the worship of God, flaunting indecency is wicked. It's the only way I know to say it. We say, well, we'll be gracious. Well, let us be gracious and tell the truth with grace and love. But that's indecent and it's immoral. I mean, you know, there are laws on indecency. But they're not enforced. See, what's happened is, we say, well, you see, clothing and apparel has a sliding scale for what's acceptable. Now, you wouldn't stand on your sidewalk that way, but you can go down the beach that way. You with me? Okay, I'm going to say something as, as you're preaching and your pastor. There's no excuse for a woman to be on a beach in a bathing suit and say she's a Christian ever for any reason. End of story, period. Men, there's no excuse for us to be there. It's indecent. There are women that would dress in public like they're in their bedroom, but it's okay because it's a beach. Or a swimming pool. That's, listen, that's changing. That is, that is, what do you call that when your morals change with your circumstance? Situational ethics, that's what it is. We understand the world thinks that way. What I do not understand, and I refuse to understand, is why anybody says they're a Christian thinks that way. Indecency, and I'll give you some examples of indecency, both men and women in the scripture, that help us understand God wants his people to put clothes on. The first one I give you is from last week, Genesis chapter 8. We won't turn there for time's sake, but or Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve were without clothes in the garden, God says, I don't want you that way. I want you to put your clothes on. So they tried to clothe themselves, and it was not enough, correct? And so they made themselves what? What did they make for themselves? Aprons. Aprons was not enough. God said, no, I want you to have coats of skins. And we know there's symbolism of salvation. But also what God is saying is, you're indecent. By indecency, I mean revealing your nakedness or anything along those lines. Now, I understand, you know, today the definition of that changes. 
So you'd say, well, you're not revealing your nakedness unless you're running out without anything on. I'll say there are certain clothing. I, for me personally, I decided a long time ago, I'm not going to wear a pair of shorts. Here's one of the reasons why. I couldn't figure out how to wear them and stay decent. That's why I don't wear them. Uh, some say, well, you can, and there's other reasons I don't. But that would be one of the number one reasons. I remember sitting at work one day, and one of my co-workers was there, and I thought, oh, friend, please help me now. Spare me. It was indecent. It was not provocative, I promise you, but it was indecent. And I think that is not becoming of a Christian to be that. Would you realize that God made law in the Old Testament when the priests went to minister and the steps said they're to have linen breeches under their coats, their, their robes, because I don't want them to be indecent. Right? How many of you remember the story of Peter in John 21? Remember that, that story? Peter is on the boat and Jesus says, children, have you any meat? And they said, we have no meat. When Peter realized it was the Lord on the shore, what did he do? He put on his fisher's coat because he was naked. Our word for that is indecent. He was indecent. Why did he put it on then? Because the Lord showed up. I've had times. I'm just a preacher. I'm just a sinner saved by grace like anybody else. Show up to somebody's house. Oh, let me get some clothes on. I say, yes, please do. I've had it happen. Brother Pope, you were with me. <laughs> Amen. I say, good. I'm, if that's the effect I have, great. <laughs> we, we are not to be indecent. I don't care what the culture does. And indecent can be not having enough on or having too little on that shows too much. Amen. And that goes for men and women alike. I think of the Gadarene. He was indecent until the Lord found him. A sinful culture takes their clothes off. That's just all there is to it. When I mentioned it last week, but when Nate Saint and the missionaries went to Ecuador, one of the things that marked those Ecuadorian heathens is they didn't wear any clothes. Now, ironically, after they got saved, they learned to put clothes on. Some said, well, the white colonialists went and changed their way of life. Praise God, somebody did. Now, the goal was not just to get them dressed. That was just a byproduct of when you get right with God, He wants you to cover up with some clothing because it's a shame to reveal one's nakedness. So number one, this idea of our apparel should be holy. It should not be indecent. But number two, and don't don't misunderstand, indecency is a form of immorality. But I would say this, number two, it does not need to be indecent. It doesn't need to be immoral. Immoral. There's a lot of clothing today that makes an immoral statement. How many of us remember the late Michael Jackson? And you know why Michael Jackson dressed up like a woman? Because he wanted to be one. He wanted to be one. He had things done because he wanted to be a woman, so he dressed like a woman. You know why boy George dresses the way he does? Because he's perverse. His clothing is a statement about his immorality. On Vogue magazine last month, I believe it was, the first male on their cover ever in a prairie dress. Now, he was not indecent, to my knowledge, but he was immoral, perverse. Now, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people got a moral quandary today. Now, you just bear with me. I don't think men ought to wear dresses, but I think it's okay for women to wear pants. That's a moral quandary. All I say is, why? Why? What is the difference? And by the way, those guys that are wearing dresses, that's what they say. They are saying it's what Boy George said. It's what the guys on the front of magazines like this say. Hey, you're wearing that. I'm going to wear this. Now, they've got an argument, but it's a perverse one. The problem is Christians lost ground because we ceded the ground on the issue with women and men's apparel a long time ago. Well, a long time ago. By the way, I'm just let me verify this. Someone says, that's not what it's about, Pastor. It's, it is. You can do your history. When you go back in the 1940s, this is when women began to demand they should be able to wear slacks and pants. When men went off to war and the ladies left the home and had to support their families taking men's jobs, and you can read it, secular history says, once the mentality of the nation began to shift to say, where women were not so bound to the role of being a keeper at home, they began to wear pants as a symbol of their freedom. I read it yesterday. And if a person wants the truth on the issue, that's when we shifted 
on this issue. Now, here's where, where I get really frustrated. Someone's saying, so you believe if women wear pants, they're not saved. Does this pastor believe that? Have I ever believed that? I was told one time that if, if I believed that somebody smoked, they were lost. I don't believe that. I don't believe you ought to smoke. How many think you ought to smoke? Think it's wise to smoke? Well, it's foolish to smoke. But I believe you can be saved and you, just because you smoke doesn't mean you're not saved. I think saved people ought not smoke. I believe the same thing. I believe saved people ought not to dress immorally. God makes it clear that he wants us to maintain a distinction between the sexes, that men should not blur the line and be effeminate. Well, it says, First Corinthians, how many of you know that effeminacy is listed separately from sodomy and is said to be a sin for which people miss the kingdom of God? Effeminacy is when men are soft like women. You bear with me tonight. How many of you think it is disgusting when a young man is limp-wristed and sweet-talking and tries to act like a girl? But when a girl does it like a boy, it's cute. Just saying. I don't think it's cute. Because I don't think God thinks it's cute. Amen? This is the Word of God. Go if you would. I'm saying tonight, our apparel should be holy. We shouldn't be indecent. Put enough clothes on. Don't reveal your nakedness. Stay covered up. Amen? And God's Word gives enough indication as to what nakedness is and, and what it's not. We understand when, 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 uh, when we're revealing our bodies instead of covering them. Clothes are not made to reveal your body. They're made to cover it. Amen? Number two, though, they're not only be indecent our apparel. It should not be immoral. First of all, it shouldn't be perverse. Look at Deuteronomy 22.5. Now, the legalist police just blew their whistle said, you are not allowed to use that verse on apparel because that's law. Just a quick reminder, what is the purpose of law? Reveal sin. You don't go to Deuteronomy 22.5 to learn how to get saved, but you can go there to learn what sin is. Amen? You go through Deuteronomy chapter 22, you'll find God said, I don't want you mixing your crops. I don't want you mixing wool and linen and these things. Somebody says, oh, pastor, so you don't wear mixed uh, uh, linens and such with your clothes? That's not the point. The point of Deuteronomy 22 is, is I don't want you to blur the lines of distinction. I don't want somebody to drive by your barley field and say, look at that barley wheat. What? What is it? Be distinct. Be distinctively Christian. Be distinctively holy. If you're male, be distinctively male. And if you're a female, be distinctively female. It is rebellion for a man to say, I wished I were a girl. And a girl to say, I wished I were a boy. And so we start cross-dressing. God knew that. He knew our wretched nature. So he put in code for his people, you don't do this. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 5. The woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. Neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. I'm reminded in Scripture, God tells Job, gird up thy loins like a man. Meaning men girded their clothing on differently than ladies did. If I could give you a visual tonight, it's too perverse to put up as a visual, but if you could see the cover of Vogue magazine and this man in a woman's prairie dress... And next to it, I put a picture of a woman in a police officer's uniform. Is there a difference? You listen to me tonight, there's no difference. The police officer's uniform pertains to a man. You say, well, that's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not been okay. It's not going to be okay. Not with God. To preacher, it's different. It's not. It's not check your conscience. It's not different. I have a loved one. She's a young lady. She signed up for a fire department. She had her fireman's gear on, helmet, garb. Someone congratulated her mother on her son being in the fire department. The mother got upset and said, It's not my son, it's my daughter. Here's the sad thing. There was a time the instruction given tonight upset people in the world. In our day, it upsets God's people. And it should not. These things, it's immoral for the man to put on a woman's garment and for a woman to wear that, to that which 
pertaineth to a man. I want to help you with this tonight, if I can. Tell me tonight, in our culture, what is distinctively masculine today? What garment is now known to be distinctively masculine? Military uniform? Blue jeans? Hard hat? None. So you say today, don't wear that which pertains to a man. Some say, nothing does. Maybe that's because there's manhood exited. You with me? One of the reasons we've lost this issue is men have checked out, rolled over, and played dead. I believe that. Now, being man doesn't mean you have to be ornery. It means stand on the truth. A man's not to wear a woman's garment. A woman's not to wear that which pertains to a man. Why? Because it's perverse. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. I referenced it, but I want to read it. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. This is the New Testament. By the way, and I believe we'll take time to deal with other issues of appearance, such as marking the body, jewelry, hair, these kinds of things. You read 1 Corinthians 11. God says He wants a distinction in our appearance, it's the same principle, not just with apparel, but with the hair. There's to be a distinction. I made woman this way. I made man this way. And I want there to be a distinction. That principle runs all the way through the Bible. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Why did he put those three words in there? Because we're prone to be deceived on this. We're prone to listen to the world more than God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor, what's the next word? Effeminate. May I say this? If I'm going to talk about... You know what? There was a time five, ten years ago, if I preached this primarily, we'd have to say, ladies, don't need to dress like men. Ladies, don't need to dress like men. Today, fellas, don't wear skinny jeans. They're wicked. Well, that's judgmental. I'm not being judgmental. It's unisex apparel. You say, well, I thought you said pants were for men. Now what we've said is we want everybody looking alike. And you know, let me ask something. Is that a reflection on more morality in our culture or less? I'll tell you, when this movement of, of, of the unisex garments came alive in the 1960s during what is called now the sexual revolution, you study history, you'll see it. That's when all this came about where... Well, you can wear that, though that was used to be distinctively male, and now you can wear that, though that was distinctively female. Now there's some garments that you just don't know. Like, nah, he's trying to look like a woman and be soft. And that has more to do with an apparel. That has to do with your conduct. has to do with the way you carry yourself. Fellas, you should never try to act like the girls. <laughs> Fit in with the girls, talk like the girls, be like the girls. No, no, no. There's to be a clear line of distinction. And so our apparel need not be indecent. All of us need to wear plenty of clothes, not like the gathering, not like Peter with our fisher's coat off, but have enough clothes on. It's, it's what pleases the Lord. And then it needs not be immoral. First of all, it need not be perverse. Second of all, it need not be provocative. Now, ladies, this is going to be more your way because it's, the way a man dresses just doesn't have the same effect as the way a woman dresses. Need I say more? Everybody understands that, do we not? And so then, God has a lot to say about the way, again, ladies should... God made you different. Man looks at you differently than you look at a man. I had a, a lady tell me, a woman tell me one time, she said, well, you know, we were talking about issues of, of apparel and modesty and so forth. She said, well, women can lust after men too. I said, you have no idea. <laughs> no, a woman does not understand how she looks to a man. That's just all there is to it. Well, she kind of does. <laughs> it's different. Ladies, help me. Is it different? Chris, I never walked in and said, Oh, Chris, I love your suit today and your hairdo. <laughs> if I do, you slap me across the head. You have my permission. It doesn't work that way. So God has some things about ladies. You're not dressing in a way. He never said for a man not to wear you know, the attire of an harlot. That just doesn't work that way. But he did tell a woman not to. Look at Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7. Now, according to today's definition, Solomon was a legalist because he said this woman had a tire on that was that of a harlot. You can take this how you wish. I said today, how can you tell the difference? I got news for you. One of those vile things, I'm going to spell this one out. One of those vile things that's come out in the last 10 years is this matter of yoga pants. 
No woman that claims to be a Christian ought to put them on unless the only person present is your husband. They're wicked. They're provocative and they're wicked. They are immoral and they're indecent. All the above. And so then, I'll just say that very clearly. Uh, Proverbs chapter 7, the Bible's going to say this, verse 10. Proverbs 7, verse 10. There's a young man, he's foolish and he's passing on his way and this woman is going to try to snag him and do him in. And how does she get his attention? How does she trap him? The Bible says in verse 6, For at the window of my house I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding passing through the street near her corner. And he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. She's loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. Isn't that amazing? She's on every corner. So she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. She doesn't say, I'm an adulteress. I'm a wicked woman. She says, I've kept my vows to God. You know, her attire doesn't make you think that. Any fella who's lived very long would say, Lady, if you've kept your vows to God and to your husband, you wouldn't be out here dressed like that. That's just truth of it. And so, but that's what she says. She says, I've my peace offerings. That's her religion with God. This day have I paid my vows. That has to do with her husband and her God. Therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face, and I have found thee. I've decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, with fine linen, and so on and so forth. She takes in, the Bible says, Proverbs 5 and Proverbs 6 and Proverbs 2 with her eyes and with her lips. But here the Bible says there was a clothing that identified the kind of woman she was. That's God's Word. Look at Genesis chapter 38, if you would. Genesis chapter 38. We're talking about the fact that adorning, if it's holy, is not provocative. I've heard this, and I've heard this much. Well, men are pigs, and they shouldn't look. Men shouldn't look, Christian men. Care how a woman dresses. We're supposed to be wise enough and walk with God enough to whatever catches our attention, look away if it's not your wife. That is our job. But ladies, God says your job is don't provoke it. You're not to put a stone of stumbling in front of someone else. I've heard women who claim, and I'll use that term, claim to be Christian, argue that they should be able to dress as they please no matter what effect it has on a man, even if it might make him fall into lust. That's his business, not mine. I'm going to tell you something. Any woman talks like that is wicked to her core. You hear me now? Say, that's not fair. That's absolutely the Word of God. She's a strange woman. And any man that's attracted to a woman like that's a fool. That's the Word of God, not your preacher's Word, Word of God. Now then, Genesis chapter 38. Genesis chapter 38. Now I understand there may be a natural attraction, but there is a supernatural unattraction. Amen? When God saves you, He opens your eyes to see things right. Genesis chapter 38, verse 14. You find here the story of Tamar. Sad story. Sad story because she decides to use her body to accomplish something she wants. And she seduces her own father-in-law, revealing that he is a wicked man. But I just want you to catch this. God's going to give us some definition about what's provocative. Genesis 38, 14 says about Tamar, she put her widow's garments off from her and covered her with a veil and wrapped herself and sat in an open place, which is by the way to Timnath, for she saw that Sheila was grown and she was not given unto him. When Judah saw her, he thought her to be in Harlot. Why do you think that? The Bible goes on to tell us she had covered her face. There was a way harlots would adorn themselves, including wrapping herself, meaning she put on tight clothing that was provocative. I need not say more. Provocative. Ladies, God has nothing against you being, uh, what would be the right word? Beautiful, being uh, comely, uh, but being provocative? It's sin. It's sin. You're contributing to sin. And may I say, I'm not a woman, but my wife tells me if you're a woman, that's going to be a temptation for you. It's just the way it is. 
So it was not a temptation for me. Well, for most women it is. That's why God has to say don't dress that way. Holy adorning, number one, is not indecent. Number two, it's not immoral, either in perverseness, in men dressing like women, or women dressing like men. It's not uh, immoral in that it is not to be provocative. You say, what about the text on modesty? We'll get to that. But do you realize modesty, we're going to go to the next point here in just a moment, our apparel should be holy, our apparel should be humble. Modesty has much to do with humility, humility as it does morality. It really does. I don't know that God probably felt he needed to spell out if you're a Christian, quit dressing like a harlot. That should be pretty obvious. Amen? There's some of this, part of where I'm at in life, is, you know, some of this, enough of the excuses and arguments, it's just enough. Christians ought to know better. Christians ought to know better than to use our bodies to promote sin. God saved us out of that. We're not to conform to the culture. How many of you know that the shift in the way people dress and the shift that's taken place in the mentality of Christians did not come from the Bible? How many know when the shift started taking place in the 60s, preachers, including people that weren't even Baptists, started preaching on the sexual revolution and the unisex apparel and preaching against it? And how many people actually listened and said, you know what, that's right. Church after church after church has surrendered its morals and principles on the issue of testimony and adorning because the culture has put the pressure on us and called us ugly names when we don't. And rather than the leadership of the Spirit, we have caved to the intimidation of the lost and the carnal. God's Word never led anybody, never led any man to dress like a woman or any woman to dress like a man, and God's Word never led any woman to use her body to provoke a man to lust. Not one time, not ever. We need to be very clear on that issue. The Christian should be holy in our apparel. Number two, our apparel should be humble. Humble. First Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2. Somebody give me an example uh, in the scripture that would be clear that they did not adorn themselves modestly in the sense of humility or meekness. God makes a point of this. This is what gets pointed out by those who want to dress immorally. I mean, the Pharisees. The Pharisees were loud in their apparel. How many you know that you can be loud in your apparel? How many you know you can dress in a way that says, I have more money than anybody else in this room? And you want everybody to know it by how many rings you wear, by how nice and, and expensive the clothing is that you wear. You can dress loud. You can dress loud with color. You can dress loud in a lot of ways. What loud clothing does is says, look at me for some reason. It may be provocative, as we just said. May I say, immoral apparel is also immodest. But not all immodest apparel is immoral. Meaning, in this sense, it may not be provoking someone to lust. It may not be perversion sexually, but it may be saying, I want all attention on me to know that I am more important than you. Isn't that what the Pharisees did? They wore long robes so that people would say, you see, they dress differently than everyone else. If we just dress differently so that people will think, ooh, they're different, you can do that on the extreme end of high-dollar clothing. You can do that on the extreme end of extremely... Our port pastor called it CD, meaning you are so holy that people know you're holier than everybody else. You with me? You can be so bland and so drab that, you know, uh, it, it becomes a point where you draw attention to yourself. Say, well, I don't uh, believe in combing my hair. I think that indicates uh, that I think I'm more... No, comb your hair. It's, uh, if you don't, you're lazy. <laughs> or you don't have any. <laughs> Our apparel should be humble. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. By the way, what's dealt with with modesty, don't misunderstand what I'm preaching to you tonight, deals with the first two issues I dealt with. There's no doubt perverse adorning is immodest. And there's no doubt that uh, provocative clothing is immodest. But it's more, modesty is more than not being perverse. It's more than not being provocative. It goes a step further. You see, grace calls you higher, not lower. Under law, don't be a pervert and don't be a provocative. Under grace is not only don't be perverted and don't be provocative, don't be proud. Right? So then, here, let's read it. First Timothy chapter 2. Now, this is addressed to the, to the ladies in verses 9 and 10, but there's principles here that apply. Verse 8 says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also. 
that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. And he goes on talking about the woman's behavior in the church to be coupled with her apparel. And we'll come back to this text here in just a little bit, just a few minutes. But here the idea of modesty, the word means this. Uh, it's, it's the idea of properly to be restrained by a sense of propriety. To be restrained by a sense of propriety. Uh, we would go on to say, hence not forward or bold, not presumptuous or arrogant, not boastful. That's what modest means. How many of you know that you can, in the church setting, see people get in competition as who can dress better than the other? Part of what God's dealing with. Don't be perverted. Don't be provocative. Don't be proud. James chapter 5. Turn there if you would. James chapter 5. God deals with the issue of clothing here again and how sometimes we treat people better who have better clothing. You know why? Because they're making the statement, I'm better. (laughs) James chapter 5. If you were to travel to some other parts of the world, you'd see this takes place in churches. There's competition between the ladies over who has the snazziest dress and hairdo and hair dressing and competition between the men who can get the nicest tie, nicest nicest whatever. It may not be those things. It happens, and it happens amongst us as well. It can. And so then we're to dress in a holy manner. We're to dress in a humble manner. James chapter 5 tells us this in um, verses uh, 1, um, yeah, 1, 2, and 3. It says, go to now, you rich men, weep and howl. I'm, that's not where I want to be. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Chapter 2, that's correct. I'm, I, I had that written down, James chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Thank you. All right. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiments, meaning his stuff is moth-eaten and fallen apart, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? I want to bring up this text, because here's what the man in gay apparel, he's saying, I'm better, and so if you treat him that way, you're not being right. Sometimes we have the same idea. So this idea of dressing humbly, if you were to look at Luke, look there if you would, Luke chapter 20, verse 46. The Pharisees used what they wore to make this statement. We are closer to God than you. And they used their apparel to lift themselves up, to separate themselves from other people and say, look at us, we're better than you. I believe this. I believe we ought to honor the Lord with the way we dress. We ought to show, I believe we ought to wear the best we can to church. And if the best you can is not as good as somebody else, that's fine. You say, why do you believe that? Because it's the Lord's house. We ought to honor it. We ought to honor what's done here. But may I say this, if we get the idea that, well, we're the best dressed church, and we're the best this, and that makes us, if we think this, well, around here we wear what is now called traditional Sunday dress, and men wear shirts and ties. That makes us a better church or better Christians than some church over wherever that's preaching the truth and loving God and serving the Lord. They can't afford to. We're wrong. Our apparel does not make us closer to God. And if we wear it for that reason, we're wrong. So then Luke chapter 20, verse 46, the Bible says this. But that, by the way, this principle does not negate the previous ones. It solidifies it. Uh, Luke twenty forty six says, uh, verse 45, Then in the audience of all the people he said unto his disciples, Beware of the scribes, which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and the highest seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses and for a show make long prayers, the same shall receive greater damnation. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. There's two extremes. There's this extreme over here that says, well, I'm under grace. I can dress perverted and I can dress provocative and God doesn't care. That's wicked. There's this crowd over here that says, you know what? If you wear a shirt and tie to church on Sunday and if you're a lady and you wear a dress, you can rob the bank on Friday night. It doesn't matter. You dress right. No, it doesn't work that way. Dressing right doesn't negate good character. It should reflect it. You see, are you with me tonight? Sometimes we use apparel, our outward adorning, to send a message that's not true. We know what looks holy. We say, well, I'm going to let you think I'm holy by dressing like I'm holy. That's sin. God emphasizes in 1 Timothy 2 and in 1 Peter 3, you pay attention to your inward man. 
You ladies, adorn yourself. You, you want to be what God wants you to be. You adorn yourself inwardly with godliness and holiness and focus on your inward man like you would focus on beautifying your outward man. And then let your outward person be reflective of what you are inwardly. And we'll get to that in our final point in just a minute. God has an order. Be clean and holy and right on the inside and then show it on the outside. Don't hide it with the outside and don't go over here and say, God doesn't care what's on the outside. Don't care how I dress. No, they're both wrong. We are to dress in a holy manner. We are to dress in a humble manner. I believe this. If my apparel is so loud that you can't hear the gospel through my mouth, whether through perversion and provocativeness or provocation or through pride, then I need to change. Amen? We need to change that. So then, uh, he tells them uh, in, uh, in Mark twelve thirty eight, same thing. He says the Pharisees love to wear long clothing. And so the idea of being immodest, may I say, ladies, you can dress in a provocative manner in pride, trying to best the gal over here. I'm going to tell you something. It's a sad day. A lot of men today get caught up on the Internet on, in pornography. And one of the reasons that women have changed their dress standards is they feel they're in competition with that world. I know that for sure based on dealings with people whose marriages are crumbling to pieces and I watch when their dress standards change it's because some things are going on inside their homes. I know of two couples right now and I know their names, I could say them to you. That's exactly what happened. He got looking and lusting and she thought, well, if he's going to look at some other woman that way, I'm going to try to keep up. If he can look, I can get looks. It's a sad thing to know how much of that goes on today. Sad, I think it would sadden our hearts to know that often the last reflection of deep-rooted corruption comes out in the apparel issue. And so then it's reflective. And our apparel needs to be holy, neither indecent nor immoral. It needs to be humble in meekness and modesty, not dressing in such a way that sets us up above everyone else and says, look at me, I'm better not boastful, not bold. And ladies, this is especially directed to you. That you're not supposed to be being bold in your adorning, but being godly. Now finally, our apparel should be honorable. Should be, if it's holy and it's humble, it will be honorable. Here's what I mean by this. Our apparel should be consistent with our calling. Our apparel should be consistent with godly character. And our apparel should be consistent with godly conduct. Our apparel should be reflected that we're children of God that we're not dressing like children of the devil. Our apparel should be consistent with true godly character. We should not try to hide pride with our clothing. We should truly be humble in our hearts, knowing we're sinners saved by grace, and reflect that in the way we adorn ourselves. We should not uh, be seeking sin and seeing if we can get by with that. We should be fleeing from that and reflect that in the way we dress. Young ladies, if you don't want to attract the wrong kind of man, don't dress the wrong way. I am a man. If you dress provocative, you'll get what you deserve. Daddies should not. We who are dads, I do not understand fathers who let their daughters dress in certain ways today. I've said this. They'll be taken out and horsewhipped themselves. How could any man with a brain in his head let her walk out the door like that? Knowing what those fellows out there are made of. And I'm just trying to say uh, tonight that this matter of apparel for the Christian... We need to have our thinking clear. Holy, humble, thirdly, honorable. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. God brings up the issue of apparel again and getting us to have a proper understanding of where it fits in all of this. 1 Peter chapter 3, where it fits in our Christian life and our thinking. 1 Peter 3 verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Verse 3, who's adorning your decoration, how you beautify yourself? Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing the gold or of putting on of apparel, meaning don't think what makes you beautiful is the outward. No, that's not where your emphasis is to be. Verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit which in the sight of God is of great price. Verse 5, For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God, there's the key, they trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Do you see even in God's word how he connects the marital relationship with apparel and, and the emphasis there? There's, you cannot disconnect it. 
You cannot. I would say this. Often, marriages and the adorning that is there or is not there is reflective of what's out of order in that home. Often, these issues indicate authority problems, which means there's a breakdown in the family and things aren't functioning the way they should. So then, what's put forward in First Peter here in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and what is said in chapter 1, verses 15 and 16, uh, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Meaning, because you're now child of God, every aspect of your, of your life needs to reflect that. So that's why I said our clothing needs to be consistent with our calling. And I said this either last week or a few weeks ago. I cannot tell you the number of times when this issue has come up and someone wants to defend an anti or unbiblical position, though they have a good testimony of salvation, they'll say, but it's just not practical. How do I do this and dress right? So I have to, you know, I have to wear slacks or pants in this occasion and I have to do this at this time. Or if we're going to swim, I mean, you know, you can't swim with your clothes on. Well, don't swim. I mean, I know there's a commandment in the Bible, thou shalt swim, but hey, you might just think of not doing that if you have to take your clothes off to do it. Isn't that rocket science? Pleasing God is more important than taking a swim. Pleasing God is more important than any recreation. If you can't recreate and stay modest and godly, then don't do it. Men or women like it, it doesn't matter. Amen? Eh, what I'm trying to say is this. I've never had the argument made, well, after having spent serious time in prayer and saying, Lord, all I want to do is please you in the way I dress. I've come to the conclusion that I ought to wear too little and too tight and dress like the opposite sex because I really believe that would help magnify the grace of God. Never been preaching for a long time never have i heard that argument i've heard well here's my reason here's my reason here's my i've even heard i think it would be a bad testimony if i didn't dress a little bit more like the world they would look at me odd and i think i'm a better witness if i dress more like they do i have heard that that's not scriptural be not conformed to this world but be ye what Transformed by the renewing of your mind, meaning learning to think the way God wants us to, including this issue. So our adorning needs to be consistent with our calling. As he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. Number two, it needs to be consistent with our character. Look very quickly, and we're almost done. Proverbs 31. The Lord helped me with this so much so long ago. If you, if you study Proverbs 31, 22, and 25, in comparison to 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Peter 3, you'll see a principle come to light. That what God wants is godly, holy character inwardly that is reflected by how we dress. That's what he wants. I believe the fear of the Lord ought to show up in how I dress. I do. I believe, yeah, I believe it would be reflective of my disrespect for God if I came up here to preach the Bible in Bermuda shorts, flip-flops, and a tank top. Was, were you and I the guy told us we'd have more effectiveness and witness if we'd wear cut-off jeans and, and wife-beater t-shirts? I'm glad we didn't take advice from that fella. But he, we're out talking to him, wearing shirts and ties. He said, oh, you guys would get a lot further if you'd wear cut-off jeans and, and wife beaters. Well, you might feel like we're more one of you because we would be. And then what have we got to testify of? We're the same as we used to be? <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. So we need to have godly character reflected in godly conduct and godly adorning. Proverbs 31, 22. Notice this about the, the, the virtuous woman. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is what? What's the two articles, the material that she's clothed with? Silk and purple. Anybody know what is the number one attribute of silk? Strength. And what does purple represent? Royalty or honor. Now look, if you would, at verse 25. The Bible says, look at verse 20, we'll just keep reading. Verse 23, her husband is known the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength, that's the silk, and honor, that's the purple, are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She literally makes her clothes out of silk and purple. When it says strength and honor are her clothing, what it's saying is that's her spiritual character. So her outward adorning was an exact revelation of her inward adorning. That's true more often than we know. It's true more often than we know. Do you know why the woman in Proverbs 7 wore the attire of a harlot? This is rocket science. Because she was one. Do you know why the virtuous woman didn't? Because her husband had her heart. 
Because God had her heart. May I say this? Men and women both who God has their heart dressed differently than men and women who don't. When God has your heart, it shows up in the way you dress. What I'm trying to say is the virtuous woman's clothing was consistent with her character. That's exactly what 1 Peter 3 says. Adorn your inner man with the fear of God. Adorn your inner man with reverence for the Lord and trust in God and then reflect that in your apparel. And so then our apparels be consistent with our calling, consistent with our character, and consistent with our conduct. Back to 1 Timothy 2 as we close. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verses 8 through 10. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. That has to do with her countenance and her conduct. Not with broided hair, gold or pearls or costly array. But, what's it say in verse 10? In parentheses, which becometh women professing godliness with good works. He said, I want your life adorned with good works and I want your apparel to match. I want to tell you something. A woman that's dressing provocatively and saying she's living her life with good works sends a very mixed message. It just does. It sends a mixed message. A woman says, oh, I love the Lord Jesus and I have to be very diligent to focus on her face because everything else is not adorned modestly. I say, God may have saved you, but you are so sending a mixed message to me. One message says, I want to sin, and the other message says, I want to serve God. This is confusion, and it is. Satan loves confusion. You know what? I understand the way you dress is not going to save anybody. But the way we dress may hinder the gospel. It may cause them to reject what we're saying, and we need to make sure that our conduct and our character and our clothing are consistent with our calling would be holy in all manner of conversation. This includes what we put on our bodies. Amen? John 19, 23, the Bible tells us that the garment, the coat of our Lord Jesus was without seam. I mentioned it last week. I don't think that's on accident that that's mentioned. In fact, I know it's not. Every word in the Bible is inspired and preserved by the Spirit of God. It tells me he had a garment that was consistent with his character. Now, shouldn't we be like our master? Do we not? Mm-hmm.